live from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. is a hit tonight he's one for three the one one pitch out to left field going back on it is de la cruz back toward the wall and he can't get it it kicks off the base of the wall now it's a foot race caves around third heading for home he's gonna score the phillies have tied it up it's a one one game here in the ninth inning superman does it again i mean he comes up with a huge base hit now nick castellanos with the go-ahead run in scoring position and oh, a high yeah. fly ball to deep left field. De La Cruz going back. It is gone! Off the auxiliary scoreboard. A two-run home run for Castellanos. The Phillies have taken the lead here in the top of the ninth inning. It's a 3-1 game. When all of you ask me why I love baseball so much, those couple of highlights off of the MLB Network, MLB.com, Phillies television network and Marlins television network kind of answer that question because so much was encapsulated in those two highlights and that game. And I'm not just saying, well, yeah, I am kind of saying it because the Phillies rallied to win that game last night over the Florida Marlins three to one scoring three one runs in the top half of the ninth inning to pull victory from the jaws of defeat as the cliche goes. So A.J. must really want something because that was his idea to play Philly's highlights for me at the start of the program today, even though journalistically there have already been games played today and completed, as you just heard from Christine Lisi on the ESPN Sports Center update. Thank you, Christine, for actually mentioning baseball afternoon scores today, and I'm going to follow in her footsteps on that one as well. So from a journalistic standpoint, Let me do that for the baseball that's underway today, and then I'll go back and tell you why a game like that is absolutely what I love about the game of baseball. So this just in, the Braves won again. I know, that doesn't resonate very much. Acuna homers, Riley homers, Olsen homers. Stop me if you've heard this before. Braves pound out 12 hits and ripped the Angels 12-5. to Shohei Otani had a couple of hits, so that was fun watching anyway. Uh, the newcomer for the Angels, Lucas Giolito, not exactly an impressive performance. He winds up taking the loss in that game. The Braves get their 69th win of the season. They win the series. You heard the game here on 106.1 ESPN. It's why you didn't hear Matt Josephs with Border to Border this afternoon. Then... The Nationals, here's another reason that I love baseball. The hapless Nationals score two runs in the bottom of the ninth inning on a throwing error by the Milwaukee Brewers, who are battling for first place in the National League Central and for the wild card. And the Brewers, opposite of the Phillies, literally took victory out of the or took defeat out of the jaws of victory today. More on that game later in the show today. But yay, Nationals to get the curly W, as they like to say up there in the nation's capital. Nats over the Brewers today by a score of 3-2 at Nats Park. Tigers doubled up on the Pirates today by a score of 6-3 to 
that was actually a battle of two teams that maybe have a chance to be pretty good moving forward. Not so much this year. They've shown some flashes, but they're well below 500 and obviously well out of it. The Pirates are one of the darling teams back in April and May, but now they're kind of back in their normal spot. They're about 10, 11 games under 500. Tigers are about 12 games under 500. Both teams have shown a little bit of life um, moving forward. And then games in progress this afternoon. There will be no no-hitter for the Astros today, even though they got one yesterday. Uh, from Framber Valdez, and they lead the Guardians today 3-2. to two. That game in the bottom half of the sixth inning. And don't look now, but the Padres are trying to sneak into this thing. San Diego leads Colorado 3 nothing. That game in the top half of the fourth inning in Colorado. Orioles looking to do it again to the Blue Jays today. They have done it twice already. Took them up one wall and down the other last night. O's and J's tonight a little after 7 o'clock in Toronto. All right, so there's the journalistically sound baseball update and scores of the day. I'll go back to last night's game for just a moment between the Phillies and the Marlins because A.J. was so kind to put those highlights on there and put me in a good mood. I was in a pretty good mood today anyway. Um, but that probably is a reason why I was in a good mood because of what happened last night. So, look, Phils are getting beat last night one to nothing after eight innings. Sandy Alcantara, the National League Cy Young winner from a year ago, not having a Cy Young award-winning season this year, throws probably his best game of the season. He limits the Phillies to four hits in eight innings. And he has thrown only, and I say only, I get it, it's a triple-digit number, 101 pitches. But it wasn't a hard 101 pitches. Trust me, I watched most of it. He was breezing along. And yet the Marlins, Skip Schumacher, their manager, take him out of the game after eight innings. And the Phillies, after the game, admitted it. They expressed relief. Uh, They were surprised to see Alcantara come out. And what they really meant to say was they were happy to see Alcantara come out of that game. And they brought in their new closer, who they just acquired from the, A.J., New York Mets, David Robertson. And he brought some of that bad karma, Taylor Swift, with him to Miami last night. He's a former Philly relief pitcher also. Could it have gone any worse for the Marlins, right? So that's all part of the beauty of baseball. I love the strategy there. Shouldn't you have just left Alcantara in the game, let him blow through the Phillies in the ninth and win it and get a complete game shutout? The book, and I don't know who wrote the baseball book, says you go to your bullpen, you bring in this guy you just acquired, you gave up prospects to get him. He's been a good closer. He's going to come in his first game with his new team. He's going to impress them all. He's going to slam the door and get the save. Eh, baseball guys had other ideas, as they normally do. Bryce Harper, who has been a clutch hitter, hasn't been much of a power hitter, but he has been a clutch hitter, and he gets an opposite field RBI double to tie the game at one. And then uh, against a, a guy who, who is swinging as badly as anybody in baseball, and that's not an embellishment. Uh, you look at the stats, they will show since the All-Star break, he literally – was the worst hitter in baseball. Nick Castellanos was batting 123 since the All-Star game. And any time a pitcher got ahead in the count, they would just throw that breaking ball low and away out of the strike zone, nothing close to home plate, and Castellanos would go flailing at it and miss and slam the bat, slam the helmet, and go out into the field, and that would be the end of it. 
And sure enough, Robertson got ahead 0-2 on him last night. And he went to go throw a slider low and away, and he put it right over the middle of the plate. And you know what they say when you're going bad? Swing the bat hard because the ball might hit your bat. And that's what happened for Castellanos last night. I say that firmly tongue-in-cheek, of course, uh, because he really has been working hard at it. But he blasted a two-run homer. And to boot, that's his hometown. Nick Castellanos was back in his hometown of Miami where he came out of his slump with that one swing last night. The way the story went on the Phillies' uh, trip to Miami from Pittsburgh, he was able to go home. Got in about 11.30 on Sunday night after a day game in Pittsburgh. He dials up his best friend. He dials up his brother. He says, come over to the house. We're going to my batting cage. Of course, most big leaguers have batting cages in their houses or their backyards nowadays. And sure enough, at 11.45 at night on Sunday, Nick Castellanos is in the batting cage for like an hour and 15 minutes getting pitches from his best friend Rudy and his brother. And it made him feel better. And they gave him the next day off in Miami just to kind of relax, put him back in the lineup last night, and there you go, the baseball gods again. They put the most struggling hitter in baseball in his hometown in a clutch situation in the right-handed batter's box, and he delivers a two-run homer. And that, my friends, is why I love baseball. Of course, if he had struck out, I would have said I hate baseball. But he hit a two-run homer, and that's why I love baseball. So, A.J., thank you. I appreciate you doing that today and allowing me to detail how the Phillies won that game last night, even though we've had some games played this afternoon to include the Braves' blowout win of the Astros and the Nationals' improbable bottom of the ninth rally to beat the Brewers. So I'm doing good today, AJ. How are you? I'm doing quite all right. Quite all right. Quite all right. Just got my uh, Sean Taylor jersey gearing up for this uh, commander season. Interesting. So now, is that his uniform jersey in a commander's uniform, yeah. or is it a generic Redskins uniform, or what is it? No, so it looks like it's a new retirement series they're doing. The jerseys almost look like the Atlanta Falcons, but take the like the white Atlanta Falcons, or not Atlanta, uh, the, wow, the Arizona, wow. Cardinals? Cardinals. <laughs> the Phoenix Cardinals. Whatever. Yeah, them too. Yeah, wow, I'm off today. No, um, but dial down the red to that burgundy. It's a really cool look. I love Sean Taylor. Uh, as you know, I'm going to be going to a couple of Commander games, so I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, gotta wear the outfit. Got to show. I, I'll allow you to wear that one. It's what? about the only. It's about the only one I would allow you to wear from the Washington or football team. Commanders. No. I can rock Portis too. Like you know. Well, you can, but I don't have to like that one. <laughs> Why would I like that one? No. No. Uh-uh. What prompted you to uh, what prompted you to do that today? Well, as you know, like I, the listeners don't know, uh, I got a connection to season tickets, and yeah. and I'm I never <laughs> have I've never been a Commanders fan, a Washington fan, or That's any of I that like stuff. I do I did have a Sean Taylor jersey back in the day because I love Sean Taylor, but um, I don't know, man. This job has inspired me to sort of embrace local sports i will always be a ravens fan i'm not jumping on a commander's bandwagon but much like uh virginia tech for example i always hated virginia tech and this year i'm i'm rooting for all of the local teams and i don't know i just now that i'm meeting all these people man everyone's great people it's hard not to root for them my goodness this is a feel-good moment on the sports huddle right here wow two years ago me would kick my butt for saying everything i just said (laughs) 
No, I like it. It's uh, kinder, softer, gentler right there. AJ loves all the local teams. Pretty amazing. But I love the way you transitioned for us by referencing a couple of things in, in our dialogue there, uh, not the least of which is both the commanders and the Ravens, because that's going to be one of the topics of conversation this afternoon with one of our guests on the Wednesday Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. This is a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. Oh, see how well we did that. Those pre-show production meetings really do pay off. All River three City seconds. <laughs> River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. During these hot summer months, donating blood and volunteering is crucial to the success of the Red Cross. To learn more about how you can help, visit Red Cross. Org. Return appearance for my guy Darrell Owens from Legacy Maker Sports Network covering all the local scene of college, high school, and professional sports. Darrell was on with us last week after spending time at ACC Media Day and Commander's Camp. And this week he's on the move at Commander's Camp again and then at Ravens Camp as well. In fact, I think he was at Ravens camp today and Commanders yesterday. So Darrell's going to join us at 4:30 at the bottom of the hour and we'll get our first real taste and talk and conversation about the Baltimore Ravens for 2023 and some Commanders talk as well. Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network at the bottom of the hour. Five o'clock hour, Jesse Doherty from the Washington Post is going to join us. He covers the Washington Nationals. They had a walk-off win today that was really a walk-off loss by the Milwaukee Brewers, but the Nationals will certainly take it in dramatic fashion in the sunshine up there in the nation's capital. They had the 3-2 win over the Brewers. Jesse Doherty talking some Nats baseball with us in the five o'clock hour at 5:15. Talk with you at 804-327-0888 327-0888 that gets you on the air with us. It's also our text line. Time for our first break back on the other side. Thanks for joining us the midweek edition of the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. There are a lot of questions that need to be answered. Is Sam Howell the man in D.C.? Can Dak Prescott and the Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl? Can Russell uh, Wilson bounce back from last season's disaster with the Broncos? The answers begin in training camp. And we'll bring you the latest from each camp around the league. Here on 1061 ESPN Richmond. hate to go down this uh, rabbit hole here, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't, and it's certainly going to create a lot of talk and chatter and tweeting and social media outcries, and it already is. So apparently the Florida State president today was addressing the board of trustees, and here we go again with our schools leaving the ACC. Are they being poached by the Big Ten? Um, can they get out of the grant of rights deal? How much would they have to give up? There's more unrest from Florida State. Just when it seemed like everybody hugged and kissed and made up after the last time they made overtures that they were going to have to lead the ACC because they just weren't getting enough money. Here we go again, and Florida State is really looking like the bad guy in this whole scenario today, at least on my quick uh, scroll of my Twitter timeline. So Richard McCullough is the president of Florida State, and he told the Board of Trustees today, absent of radical changes 
to the ACC's revenue sharing, the Seminoles will have to, quote-unquote, seriously consider leaving the conference. Now, first of all, we've already had a radical change to the revenue-sharing system in the ACC, which used to be equal pieces of the pie for everyone, and they have changed that to the more successful teams in the revenue-producing sports will get more revenue. That seems like a pretty radical change to me. I believe what he means by radical this time is media rights deal and way more money than the ACC is commanding right now. And one of the trustees who played quarterback at Florida State concurred with the president today. Drew Weatherford said, without those radical changes, it's not a matter of if, but when and how the school exits the ACC. And another trustee said, I don't think it's unrealistic for us to say that as a goal for this board, if we don't have something figured out in the next 12 months, we have an exit plan. And we'll execute on it. So here we go. It's it's not dying down at all. In fact, the smoke is billowing and it is turning into flames and fire. Uh, And it sounds like Florida State is restless again. And, of course, this brought out all the pundits and all the critics of Florida State. And, like, right now, you you probably can – you know, throw the bow and arrow, so to speak, Florida State, at the Seminoles. Because they're going to be good again. Uh, Most people have them in the top two in the ACC this year and probably can make the college football playoff. And yet their numbers haven't been very good um, in in the immediate past, like, you know, in the last six years or so. Um, Another report, this is from uh, Andy Bitter. If Florida State had a way out of the grant of rights, it would have done it already. It wouldn't be getting all chesty. I love that phrase, Andy. Well done. About threatening to leave a league these trustees say has no remedy to its revenue problems. And again, another trustee, Justin Roth, is calling for an exit plan to get out of the ACC in the next 12 months. Ah, here we go again. Just when we thought maybe the ACC was on some kind of solid footing and maybe the schools would give the conference a chance to do better than they're doing now, and they're not terrible at the moment if you do look at it. Uh, Outside of the SEC and the Big Ten comes the ACC. Now, there's a wide gap between those two and then the ACC and the other Power Five conferences and then the Group of Five conferences. Understood that but the restlessness of these schools because of the dollar signs that are dangling out in front of them it's just so frustrating in this day and age all, but it's all the i just heard all i just heard was that the u moved up on everybody's acc <laughs> poll <laughs> i don't know maybe they'll be joining florida state they're probably going to have to go with somebody wherever they go and why not take two florida teams I don't know. I guess if you're the SEC, you may not want a couple more Florida teams already. But if you're the Big Ten, you might do that. Although, you know, all of the all of the tea leaves say it would be Clemson and Florida State because, you know, we want to be as powerful as we could possibly be. And let's get the two best teams right now. But Florida State has taken a lot of hits for this today. I can tell you that. Seminoles are 21 and 27 in the ACC since 2017. 
that's not very good the last time I looked. Look, they had a good year last season, right? They went 10-3. and three, But before that, the previous five years before that, the most games they won was seven. And it was their only winning season in the past five years. Now, are they going to be back? Yeah, they're going to be back. This stuff is cyclical. I get it. And they're on their way back. But as soon as they get good again, we want more money. Right from the president through the board of trustees on down. Uh, So now the ACC is going to have to be in defend and protect mode once again. And Florida State's going to be the villain if it wasn't already around the ACC this college football season. They're probably still going to win a lot of games, but they are not going to be liked uh, across the landscape of the ACC. Certainly more to come on that story as we move along this afternoon. We're going to uh, shift gears from college football to pro football, talk some NFL training camp on the other side of the break. Uh, Both the Ravens and the Commanders were visited this week by our guy Darrell Owens from Legacy Makers Sports Network. And Darrell's going to join us next, find out what he saw, primarily at the Ravens camp. We haven't really talked much Baltimore Ravens yet. Time to do that, plus some more Commanders tidbits as well. Darrell joins us next on the Sports Huddle. Let's go. The Spiders are fresh off their first playoff berth since 2016 and hungry for more. Follow every first down, pick six, and blocked punt here on the exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 1061 ESPN Richmond. NFL training camps have been going now for a week or so, right? And we've put the pads on in all of these training camps, and we're heading towards the start of the preseason. Of course, the Hall of Fame game is coming up on Thursday night. But let's talk some Ravens, and let's talk some Commanders as we do our little tour around these NFL training camps. And we welcome back to our program, Darrell Owens, Legacy Makers Sports Network. And Darrell, good afternoon. I know you've been uh, crisscrossing the beltway up there, right? The DMV between (laughs) Commander's Camp and Ravens Camp, right? Yes, yes, most definitely. I've been up here uh, crossing the beltway for Bowie TV. Uh, It's been been a fun adventure so far. Uh, uh, The first two days have been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Let's start with these Baltimore Ravens, Darrell, because we haven't talked much about them yet this preseason. At least I haven't. So we got a couple of new wide receivers, right? One of them is truly a new wide receiver, the rookie Zay Flowers. You got Odell Beckham now in Baltimore as well. You got a new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin. How is this going to impact Lamar Jackson? What did you see from the Ravens? Well, I think the biggest thing that we're going to see uh, from, you know, Monken taking the reins here in Baltimore is the the spreading of the offense. Uh, he's, going, he's going to open this up. He wants Lamar to be more like Louisville Lamar. Uh, so I think that's going to be – that's the biggest takeaway that I would take away from Monken. Uh I definitely can tell that the players are embracing him and really kind of, you know, enjoying uh, things so far. And on today's front, uh, we didn't get no Odell Beckham today. He was not uh, practicing today. They said it was a Veterans Day, uh, so they gave him a day for that. As um, far as we know, uh, that's what we were told. So far as we know, that's what we were told. He wasn't out there today. We did see him, but he did not participate. And then we saw Zay Flowers, who I will say this right now. Um, Zay Flowers, the last two days, has had a really good camp. Um, 
watching him, you know, kind of get that connection with Lamar, starting to build that connection with Lamar has been really nice to see. Uh, but the biggest thing that I take away from him is his route running. You know, a lot of people kind of down him because he's 5'9", but watching his route running, watching uh, how he's able to just kind of maneuver. You know, he crossed up a couple of cornerbacks today uh, in the the one-on-one drills and made the cornerbacks look a little bad for a while, but he made some really fantastic plays out there today. Uh, Just the way he's able to adjust, uh, even if the throw may have not been the greatest, he's been able to adjust and make some great plays out of it. So, like, loving what I'm seeing from Zay Flowers so far. Uh, how about on the defensive side for the Ravens from what you were able to uh, to ascertain from the from the time that you've watched them? Well, you know, definitely it's a, it's a, you know, I would say it's a new day. You know, no Marcus Peters anymore. And mm-hmm. uh, Rocky Sin is uh, now in with the team. He actually went down today. Um, but he, they, I just, they decided not to bring him back in just as a precautionary. But he did go down. There was a little concern there. But he is uh, – that was probably the biggest thing that I took away on that front. But they didn't really press today. They wasn't, you know, we didn't see a lot of blitz packages or anything like that. They kept it kind of easy today. Uh, the weather's been really nice out here. I, I thank a lot of you. I thought they probably would have go a little bit harder because the, uh, the weather was really nice <laughs> out here today. But, uh, you know, you, they kind of took it, you know, kind of easy. You can t- tell that they're still kind of working on a lot of uh, formations and getting adjusted to everything. Were they in pads today? They were. I think they were in shields. They weren't in pads fully. I think the Monday was the last day they were in pads. All right, gotcha on that one. Um, let's look ahead a little bit for them. I'm just looking at their schedule a little bit. So they start uh, with Houston, okay, but then they got to play at Cincinnati to get Indy at home and and at Cleveland and then a rivalry game um, with Pittsburgh. So it would certainly behoove them, we can say this for anybody, I guess, really, to get off to that good start this season and and, and particularly offensively, right, to to show everybody this no-look offense is going to work. I think think that's the biggest thing. Um, I think if you listen to any Ravens fan or just any person that is affiliated with the Ravens, they want uh, to be able to change things offensively. They want it to be a different feel. Uh, than what we've seen in the past. And it's going to be extremely important for them to get out to a good start. I mean, Houston, it's, I'm not going to say it's a layup, but it, it's a game that's very winnable game for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they do, it starts to get a little bit harder when you see the Pittsburghs and the Cincinnati's and the Cleveland start to come around. So I think for their offense, uh, you know, they want to continue. You can tell they want to continue to grow in it. Uh, from what I heard yesterday, uh, you know, Odell had a really good day yesterday while he was there. So you can tell that the, the receivers are starting to like kind of click on that end. So, uh, biggest thing is they got to get everything going offensively. It's going to be a huge part of what they want to do. Um, you know, especially in those first couple of weeks to get the momentum going. Well, let's use this as part of our transition then from Ravens talk to Commanders talk. You've been watching two teams, both of whom have new offensive coordinators. Can you compare and contrast a little bit Todd Munkin with what you've seen in Baltimore and Eric Bieniemy from what you've seen in D.C.? It, it, you know, it's funny. Uh, they both, <laughs> I, I will say this, I think they both have done a really good job of of getting the players on board initially. You know, uh, yesterday, yeah. <laughs> uh, EB had a little moment where the offensive line didn't quite, uh, let's just put it this way, they weren't protecting the way they needed to protect yesterday. Uh, And he yelled. I mean, he jumped up and he yelled and said, you know, I can't say what he said on the radio, but let's just say that (laughs) what he said, uh, I think it it, it lit a fire. Because after that point, the the offensive line held their own against an extremely tough defensive line. 
uh, because, you know, if you saw Chase Young out there, uh, you know, just make, you know, making do with, with the poor left tackle at the time, just moving around, just putting pressure on the quarterback. And then after EBL, you just saw a whole change in that offensive line. They just were like, oh, time to get it together. And they did pretty good the rest of the practice. But the thing I've seen mostly is that I feel like both offenses are really, truly uh, taking, um, you know, their new leadership in the right path. You know, I think they, they both are all the players are brought in. You definitely can tell uh, on the commander side that the players are brought in. I've spent a little bit more time with them. Uh, you, but you can just see the difference. Um, mm-hmm. And it just it's going to be high energy and high octane for those offenses. So you were at Ravens today, is that right, Darrell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ravens. Yeah, Ravens today. The Ravens All right. today. So apparently there was a little scuffle, a little bit of near fights <laughs> breaking out. I guess you heard about it at the Commanders camp um, today, and I guess EB Eric Bieniemy wasn't having any of that either, was he? Yeah, I heard about that. I heard it got a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, different out there, but it also almost happened here too. But it, it uh, we saw. Uh, Patrick Queen, it looked like it might have been Patrick Queen and also John Simpson, offensive lineman. Looked like they were about to get into it. It was just like a whole crowd of the players kind of like bundled up together after a fumble. And we were like, oh, man, here it comes. But immediately, uh, coaches stepped in, players stepped in, they broke it up quickly. So I don't think it really really became anything. Uh, But it really didn't become anything. But they were able to kind of like get them together on that and just kind of you know, reel them back in. So, uh, you know, I remember, I remember Hambar saying something in the range of, we come out here to work. Okay, we don't have time for this. <laughs> so, and everybody just kind of straightened up and flew right from there. Yeah, but we all know it's not training camp until there's a fight or two, or at least a you scuffle. At least one. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you got to have at least one. Every year when they were here in Richmond, it'll happen for as long as they're straight again. So it's just part of football for sure. Hey, let me ask you on the commander front, AJ Perk up here about quarterback, but not about the one that you think I'm going to ask about. Because Ron Rivera today was asked, and he said this, not about Sam Howell, but about Jacoby Brissett. Don't sleep on Jacoby, Rivera said. He's done a nice job. We have some really good QB play going on right now. The backstory there, Darrell, my guy, our producer, AJ, he is all in on Jacoby Brissett, and he actually <laughs> thinks Brissett's going to be the starting quarterback by the time we get to opening day. I, I You know, AJ, I will say this. Um, the commanders are in a really good place uh, if, for whatever reason, Sam Howell doesn't get to start. I'll be very surprised if Sam Howell doesn't start week one. I think he's done a really good job at camp. Uh, a couple of picks, you know, here and there, but you know, one was off a deflection, another one um, just a little overthrown, but nothing too bad. Other than that, he's been really solid. Uh, but I will say this, watching Jacoby and watching how he's played, he's definitely that security blanket, you know, um, in that quarterback room. You've got somebody that you know if it doesn't work out that can come in and run that offense and not make any, like, crazy mistakes. I feel like he would be able to go in there and run it um, without, without a hitch. But if you look at Sam, I think Sam gives them a little bit more of the explosiveness and, and uh, unpredictability. But they'll be fine. I don't know if I don't know if he's going to start Week One, and he, we may be wrong. But right now, I would, I would say it's going to be Sam. Daryl, it wouldn't be a hot take if everybody thought it. <laughs> it, would, it, would, it wouldn't be a hot take. Yes, one hundred percent correct, AJ. One hundred percent correct.
<laughs> and then I guess the other big deal out of the commanders today, and I know we're, we're seeing all this secondhand and, and reading about it and all that. Josh Harris was there again today, and it was another uh, feel-good moment with, with fans in attendance today at commander's camp. Yeah, uh, one of my colleagues uh, for Bowie Television was there at camp today. Spoke to them a little bit earlier, and he came out there. He was signing autographs, and the chant started uh, rumbling once again. Uh, he's beloved there. He's only been in charge of this team for two weeks, if not that, and he is absolutely beloved there. He can almost do nothing wrong at this point, uh, <laughs> but he's done a really good job of embracing, uh, in my opinion, um, the history of the team. You know, Ron Rivera has said in press conferences in the last two weeks about the name change uh, and about how, you know, we respect the history of the team. They, You know, last year it wouldn't even be mentioned. They wouldn't bring up the mm-hmm. old name whatsoever. But the name is out there, and I think the fact that the fans know that there's a potential chance that they could go back, just a potential chance, they're all on the side right now. So uh, there's a lot of them that are very excited. Heard there was a petition that had 20,000 signatures on there to get the name back to what it used to be. I'm so. really intrigued <laughs> by that. Uh, I am one of those, and I have not been shy about this, and, you know, uh, that I didn't think they should have made the change. I had talked to enough people and some Native mm-hmm. Americans who disagreed with the take that it was, um, you know, racist or slanderous, and they were okay with it. And I just felt like, you know, let's keep it then. I, I mean, we, you look at the Chiefs, you look at the Braves, you look at the Seminoles, all of those teams. So I was actually in the camp of I'm I'm not being, you know, derogatory or racist. Uh, I'm respectful, and I think they should have kept Redskins. Now, having said that, I really don't think there's any way in the world they can go back to it. I, I just yeah, I'd be shocked. <laughs> I, I don't know, Darrell, but I'd be shocked. Hey, well, I think the biggest thing about it is, and and I, we, I guess we can say this now, um, but I, personally, I really thought the only reason why the name got changed is because of the heat that uh, Snyder was going through at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, Snyder said many times that, hey, I would never change the name of this team. As soon as we heard the pressure from all of what potentially could come out of what his, his doings were behind closed doors, all of a sudden, you know what, we're going to change the team name. <laughs> so yep. it happened as soon as all of that stuff went down. And um, to me, I think, you know, that was just one of the many blunders uh, under his reign, unfortunately. Like, if you notice, every time the team was – in a bad spot, they tried to do something to like Bruce, you know, the you know boost the morale of the fan base. They, you know, retire Sean Taylor's jersey, and that didn't go well in some people's eyes. So it's just so many, so many aspects of it. But hey, I mean, if they if they change it back, which I would be surprised, I would, you know, there's going to be a lot of happy fans, a lot of happy fans. Yeah, they're really well, and it's it's a fascinating topic to me. I guess it just depends on which side of the fence you're on and who you listen to in these groups. And obviously, the Native Americans are the ones I would listen to most. And I know there's some on both sides of that, but I just had heard enough of hey, we're not that upset about it. it we understand the respect side of it as well, uh, right. and I don't understand why teams like the Cleveland Indians and the Washington Redskins change it, and teams like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Atlanta Braves and the Florida. State Seminoles don't. That's what I don't do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been puzzling, but you haven't heard any pressure from it. And to be honest with you, even with Cleveland, I didn't really hear any, mm-hmm. not as much pressure from it. I, the, the Cleveland one actually surprised me more than anything. I was like, wow. Uh, so I was really more surprised about it. I mean, the, the commanders change made more sense, I guess, because of, 
you know, there, you know, we heard a lot more about it. And there would be this one guy every year at camp, and I'm pretty sure you remember him, pile walking up and down the street right there in front of training camp, uh, you know, you know, for the name change. But it was only that one person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. So it was him every year. So uh, I know he's happy. I can, yeah, I can guarantee I can. you that. He's definitely happy. Winning football <laughs> games will make them all happy no matter what the name is. That would be the first exactly. step. The first step for sure. All right, Darrell, great stuff again from not one but two training camps today from the Ravens and from the Commanders, and we'll look forward to penciling you in again as as the preseason moves along and we get closer to the regular season. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Thanks, AJ. Thanks, man. As always. Yeah, there you go. Darrell Owens, Legacy Makers Sports Network. Check it out online and all of their reports, not only Ravens and Commanders, but the college scene. Uh, he'll do stuff on the high school scene here in Richmond, and we'll continue to uh, dial him up as a regular contributor for us. He had mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago his plan, his schedule, is to try to get to all the Commanders games this year. I, it, that's amazing to me. Not just the home games, but home and away. And, and if he's going to do that, we're, we're going to have our guy. He's going to He's going to come on with us on Mondays, hopefully. And uh, I don't want to you know, put the cart before the horse here, but hopefully all this happens. And he'll be able to come on and give us great recaps of all the Commanders games every week. And uh, he'll keep going to training camp, so he'll certainly be a part of our programming through the month of August as we get into September and the start of the season. Uh, already just about an hour in the books on the Sports Huddle this afternoon. It always goes quickly, but we do have one more segment. Before we get to the top of the hour in the ESPN Sports Center update, so we'll take a break, come back and get you to 5 o'clock on the Wednesday Sports Huddle right here. Thanks for locking it in on 1061 ESPN. On the go and thinking Braves? Well, keep us in mind. Follow the Atlanta Braves as they battle for a sixth straight division crown here on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Welcome back. Bob Black hosting remotely on a Wednesday afternoon. We'll be in studio tomorrow with my guy, Sean Robertson from CBS 6. If he can squeeze us in to his busy, busy schedule, I mentioned with Darrell Owens that he's crisscrossing the DMV up there between Commanders and Ravens. Well, Sean and Lane over at Channel 6, they've been out and about at all the preseason high school football practices doing their high school football previews. And I'm not sure he's going to be able to press pause long enough to come in for a couple hours tomorrow, although maybe he'll welcome a little bit of a relief. Uh, those guys love getting out there to the high schools and showing us what we got in ways of talent here in the 804. So he'll be with us tomorrow, I'm pretty sure. We'll do some high school talk uh, tomorrow as well, start to gear you up for the high school football season that will start um, later this month. 804-327-0888 gets you on the air. 327-0888 is the text line as well. Uh, no show on Friday. So earlier I said this is the midweek edition of the sports huddle. We're really kind of into the back half of that for the program. It's obviously the midday of the week being hump day, being Wednesday. But no show on um, on Friday because the Braves have a day game in Chicago. How jealous am I of that? Do you remember a few weeks ago when the Phillies – we're at Wrigley Field, and they played three straight night games, and I got all up in arms about it, and I learned to find out so were a lot of people that just didn't understand, um, you know, in the ballpark that's known for its weekday afternoon games that the Phillies would play three night games at Wrigley Field. They were the first team to play a night game 
at Wrigley Field, although it got rained out the first night. They wound up playing it the second night. I remember that. I was still a kid when that happened. Can't believe it's been that long since uh, Wrigley Field has had lights. But anyway, the Braves get the opportunity to play. I'm guessing it's actually all day games for the Braves this weekend in Chicago. I'm going to check that real quick, only because they open the series on a Friday. They're playing that, and you would think Saturday and Sunday games would be day games at Wrigley Field as well, and they are. So the Braves get all day games. The rich get richer, right? I think guys like the day games. I know it means for an earlier, uh, although, well, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna have to uh, walk back on No, 220, yeah. They're all day games at Wrigley, which is great. You know, you kind of get on a little bit of a normal schedule. I know it's an, an earlier start to the day and all of that, uh, but particularly when you get to play that last game as a day game and you can get out of the city earlier the Braves are staying on the road they're going from Chicago to Pittsburgh but at least it'll get them out of there and they do get the uh, the luxury of playing three straight day games that that's one of those romantic moments in baseball when you can play day baseball middle of the summer Wrigley Field the Green Ivy all of that um, is a great thing so they open it on Friday that's a 220 game 205 is our airtime and even as quickly as Major League Baseball games are going now we're not going to have the time on Friday afternoon. So we won't we won't have a show Friday. We'll be back on uh, on Monday. Do you know, AJ, what Friday is around these parts, by the way? It uh, is my drinking night. Is it really? No. Where are we, go- just, where are we going? Where, well, come on. Uh, I'm, I'm where, free. Where? Yeah. Everywhere. You, you, wait till you party with me, buddy. <laughs> I'm ready for that. Where aren't I, we going? I, I don't know that I'll make it through the whole party, but but I'll be there to get it going. That's for sure. No, Friday is Richmond Day, Central Virginia Day. You know why it is? No. Because Friday is 8.04. Oh, God. There you go. August the 4th. It's 8.04. It's our area code. We give it every day on this program. I, I, I hate little, little algorithms like that. You don't like that, huh? No, but you know what Saturday is? No, but I know what today is. I'll tell you in a second. What's Saturday? Is kickers' big rivalry day? They're going up against Forward Madison. All right, the Henny Bowl, baby. And we're going to talk about it tomorrow, right? As part of the program. Uh huh. Yeah, we got special kickers guest, don't we? We certainly do, but we're All not right. going to spoil that yet. Okay, we won't. Who's actually come, coming in the studio? He is coming to us tomorrow. You're an amazing producer to be able to line that up. What What's today though? Today is National Ice Cream Sandwich Day. I might just walk out and go to the local corner store down the street here during the ESPN Sports Center update and get me my ice cream sandwich and hopefully be back by 5.02. If not, we're talking soccer and, ba- and boxing <laughs> with just me. Or I'll just wait till later this evening and go have it for dessert, that which would be delicious also. All right, first hour of the Sports Huddle in the books. Thanks to Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network, keeping tabs on uh, Commander's Camp and Ravens Camp for us. Some baseball talk in the 5 o'clock hour. Jesse Darty covers the Washington Nationals for the Washington Post. He's going to join us around 5.15 on the heels of a dramatic bottom of the ninth inning victory for the Washington Nationals today. All that and fun coming up after the Sports Center updated 5 on 106 ESPN. Bonaire Shell has been serving the 